Welcome back to the 18th Century Podcast. I am your host, CJ. In today's episode, it will be an unscripted episode. So, I will eventually do a transcript for this episode, and this intro is unscripted as well. I do plan on releasing a transcript at some point for the video, but, or, sorry, not video, audio podcast. Ugh, what am I thinking? But, uh, yeah, I'll release a transcript for this podcast at some point. Expect that the, in the distant future, but not the near future. So today, as the title of the episode says, we'll be reviewing the Catherine the Great miniseries from HBO. I'll talk a little bit about the history, my thoughts on the show uh, from a cinematic st- standpoint, uh, and some inaccuracies that I found in the series, in the uh, four-part series. And just some general thoughts on the show itself. So if you'd like to uh, check out older episodes or uh, just read the scripts for older episodes, go to 18thcentury.home.blog. That's 18thcentury.home.blog. Type the numbers, don't spell them. Alright, let's get right into this. So the Catherine the Great miniseries started... When was the release date? I pulled it up on Wikipedia, just like all great academics do. Uh, miniseries premiered on October 3rd, 2019. And, wait, miniseries premiered... It debuted on the 21st of October, 2019. Oh, okay, so it premiered in the UK on October 3rd. It premiered in the US on October 21st. And the series has been over, I believe, now for a couple weeks at the time of releasing this podcast episode. So, reading from the Wikipedia page, Catherine the Great is a British-American miniseries in four parts written by Nigel Williams and directed by Philip Martin for Sky Atlantic and HBO miniseries. It stars Helen Marin... My apologies, I do not know her last name too well as the titular Catherine the Great. So the synopsis of the show, loosely based on Empress Catherine's uh, later life in spanning four episodes for presumably 1764 to her death in 1796. So uh, general thoughts of the show, it, it was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't necessarily, uh, I don't know if I'd call it good, but it's not bad. Uh, from a cinematic standpoint, it looked good. Uh, the actors did an alright job, but no one really stuck out. Uh, I'm just going to refer to the actress as, yeah, Helen. I'll just call her by her first name. So Helen, uh, she did an alright job. I don't feel like she gave a fair portrayal on Catherine. The little bit that I have read on Catherine the Great, and I recommend going back to 18th Century Podcast episode 20, which I did a mini bio on Catherine the Great. And remember, this is a pop history podcast, so I'm not doing this as an academic thing. This is just supposed to be fun, and I am learning with you about the 18th century. But I... I was a little disappointed with the start of the series because I was hoping, and I'm going into spoilers for this series, because I'm assuming you've watched it or you just don't care. Me, personally, I enjoy spoilers. But the portrayal of Catherine, or the, uh, sorry, where was I going with this? Yeah, oh yeah, the start of the uh, series. Uh, First episode, I was a little disappointed because it starts after the coup of Peter III. Uh, I was really looking forward 
to them showing the coup because it's honestly one of the most interesting points in her life and one of the most like turning points it's the biggest turning point i would argue because it's when she took power um yeah the coup was a very big part but it starts in 1764 i did actually notice a small inaccuracy in the uh first episode and i recommend going back to catch it it's just a very minor thing if you'd like uh, there's a scene in the first episode when she's eating food, and she, she's using a modern-day fork. And back in the 18th century, they would not be eating with forks, you'd be eating with knives. And if you are eating with forks, you're probably French and in the very late stages of the 18th century, because forks were used primarily during that time period for just cutting meat, and that's it. You don't use it to bring up your food to your mouth, you would use a knife. And it would be a specially designed knife for that. So that's just a small inaccuracy I actually caught in the first episode, and it kind of stood out to me, because once you start understanding these things, you you notice them and you can never unsee them. But I found that interesting. They refer many times to, uh, well, they go harken back to Peter III a bit and all, and uh, they do mention in the first episode about her friendship with Voltaire, and they, they, it's just kind of a throwaway line, but I'll come back to it because they talk about it later in the series. They mention Voltaire again in the last episode. But first episode, they, I believe they uh, talk about her writing a letter to Voltaire, which they were friends. And Voltaire was kind of like that cool, from my understanding, he was like the cool kid in class everyone liked and wanted to be friends with. So he was basically friends with uh, Catherine the Great, um, Frederick the Great. Uh, I believe him and Benjamin Franklin had a correspondence, but I have to look into that. I do... N they did meet in France once. Uh, her portrayal between Catherine the Great and her son... Uh, what was her son's name? I'm looking at my own uh, script notes. Because it's useful to look at these. Where was it? I believe Empress of Russia. What was it before? Seven Years of War. No, it must have been in the first section. Yeah, she converted to Orthodoxy. Yeah, they weren't having a happy marriage. Um, sorry, guys, I'm just looking. Yeah, Paul. Paul. Um, I do think the show does a fantastic job showing the relationship between Catherine and Paul because they did not get along because uh, Catherine, uh, her son Paul, was taken away from her by the then Empress of Russia uh, to be raised. And they do do a very good uh, cinematic thing in the final episode when it shows that Paul's son is being looked after by uh, Catherine more so, and Catherine did actually care more for uh, her grandson than her own son. She favored him to the point that she wanted her grandson to be uh, named her heir, not her son. But... Uh, 
Oh yeah, another inaccuracy, I believe, is with Potemkin. And I do not believe I covered Potemkin in my episode, on episode 20 on Catherine the Great. And in the very first episode, he, uh, Potemkin is referred to as a lieutenant. And I'm thinking, why is the Empress of Russia being interested in a lieutenant and taking such a great interest? Wouldn't she rather take an interest in someone more like a general? And I believe the uh, YouTube channel Russia Beyond did cover this, when, and they said that he was actually a general at the time and not a lieutenant, because that'd be frankly kind of weird if the Empress is taking a great interest in a guy who's, I mean, he's an officer still, so, you know, there would still be some level of respect, but at the same time, she would rather dine with generals than lieutenants. I mean, I think that's just common place for monarchy at the time. Or common assumption. So that was an interesting style choice. I don't think it was needed, but uh, yeah, they did do a decent job of showing Catherine with her lovers a bit. I don't remember if they mentioned or not where she gave. I believe it was her ex-boyfriend, or was it her boyfriend at the time? I believe it was her ex-boyfriend. They just broke up, and she gave the guy Poland. I was kind of hoping that they would talk about that a little bit because it's honestly pretty funny uh, giving her ex-boyfriend Poland. Uh, that is an interesting story in her life. And I, I don't think they brought that up. They did mention, though, that she did give her ex-lovers uh, like palaces or titles and such, which I believe, yeah, that did happen. Now, getting in towards episode two of the show, it deals with some of the... Um, oh, geez, what were they? The, the rebellions. The rebellions that she faced. And they, they severely underplayed how serious these were. Um, if you remember from the previous episode I had on Catherine the Great, that during her youth she was very liberal. And when I'm using the words liberal and conservative, I'm using them in the 18th century context and not the modern day context. Uh, this is not a political show, but if I do talk about politics, I am talking about them in reference to the 18th century and using the terms as they meant at, during that time period. So, for example, liberal meant something different in the 18th century than it does today, and conservative kind of meant something different back then than it does today as well, and a bunch of other terms. Words change over time. I think you get that point. But they really do underplay this and I think it's really bad. They they show the uprising. It's just kind of like a side thing that's happening. But this was a real threat. I'm going to look through my notes quick from the episode and see if I can find where it talks about the uprising. Yeah. Between 1762 to 1769, there were around 50 minor revolts, all of which were put down. The tension would come to a head with Pugachev's Rebellion, which lasted from 1773 to 1775. The show presented it like it happened maybe in a few months at most, but the rebellion happened for two years. This was a major factor in Catherine's life, and it changed her outlook. Um, they do refer to 
uh, getting into the serfs, they do refer to serfs as slaves. Well, I believe sla- serfs are technically not slaves, but they're they're basically slaves in all but name. Um, they were treated maybe like a smidge better, kind of like indentured servitude. It wasn't exactly peachy, except it's like that for life. So, I mean, yeah, it's basically slavery. But there are diff- some differences, I believe. Um... Yeah, the serfs had some initial success, but they were squashed. Eventually, the leader of the rebellion was captured, and he was betrayed. And they barely even show uh, Pugachev. Pugachev. Apologies to any Russian listeners, but I'm going with uh, Pugachev. Pugachev, uh, they they do really disurface to him. They, they just kind of treat him as a throwaway character when this was very important in Russia during the time period. If you have a rebellion that lasts two years, you did something, some damage. And this, this really did change Catherine's attitude. Uh, reading back from my script, uh, I wrote, uh, Catherine's early attitudes of liberalizing Russia were diminished after the rebellion. And yeah, that was true, but the show doesn't portray that very well. And it's honestly very disappointing because she went with more of the traditional Russian viewpoint after this rebellion and kind of, she kept some of her liberal ideas, but she kind of pushed, pushed them to the back of her mind more. And I don't think the, uh, show did a good job of showing how this really did change Catherine's worldview. It, I think this show did a very poor job of portraying that. And you think a show that's supposed to dramatize stuff, something that changes an entire person's worldview, you think you'd want to portray that well and accurately. I know you're loosely basing the show off of actual history, but at the same time, you're not really doing too much there. I, you had so much you had two years of rebellion and another thing they never actually show really any battle sequences i'm not sure what their budget was actually let me see if i can find their budget for the show i'm gonna wonder if they'll talk about this oh filming locations most of it took place in lithuania and not russia you think if you're filming a show about Russia, you would film it in Russia. I think filming on locations always good in general. Show budget. What was your budget? Let's see what IMDB says, because they usually have something. Uh, estimated budget, where are you? Genre, not all details, country language, no. I cannot find budget, but it looked like it was high budget, which I'm surprised that they didn't even do one actual full battle sequence. I kind of find, I know battles get expensive, but at the same time, HBO, they've done battles before, so I'm, I'm very curious why they did not show any of the battles. Uh, in any of the wars, and they do go over the uh, wars that Russia went, had with the Ottomans during uh, Catherine's lifetime, both of them, so I'm happy that they addressed that. Uh, I don't, 
The impression I got from Catherine the Great is that she was a very intelligent woman who, you know, she did have a lot of lovers, but, I mean, that was more of her character, a trait of herself that, you know, I mean, her husband wasn't that great, and he cheated on her, too. Or he cheated on her, I should say, but I don't think it portrays well, the show portrayed well how actually intelligent Catherine was. And another thing that they got wrong is in the last episode, they say that Catherine the Great, she says, I gave, like, I gave Russia an empire, or I built an empire from Russia, essentially. And I'm thinking, well, that's wrong because Peter the Great uh, brought Russia into empire. It was Peter the Great. Catherine the Great, you expanded the territory, which they do all right, I think, with uh, discussing Crimea, because Russia does have a pretty much a fascination with Crimea during the time during the time period so with Crimea they handled that I think pretty well I don't know like I said I don't know too much about Russian history but it is actually really interesting uh what was the other thing oh yeah they take Crimea and then there's a scene this is an episode four uh there's a scene that, yeah they have Crimea the they say the English and the German ambassadors are wanting to, uh, you know, give an ultimatum to Catherine the Great and her, um, her, uh, her court, saying that give the Ottomans this one territory back. It wasn't Crimea. I think it was a town or it, it was something. They wanted to give some territory back to the Ottomans. Or else that the Germans and the English will declare war on uh, the Russians. And I find this highly unusual for the simple fact that they say the German ambassador, because at the time there was no unified Germany, so they could be ethnically German, and the Germans did identify as German, but at the same time you would also go with their country of origin, which there were many German countries at the time, and there still are many German countries today. For example, Austrians, I believe, are technically German ethnically. I don't want to get too much into that, but I believe they are German. I, they speak German, yeah. But I'm going to just pull this up. 18th century German... German countries. Because uh, you still had the Holy Roman Empire during the 18th century, and the Holy Roman Empire was not in good shape. It was on its way out, honestly, especially towards the end of the century. And you can thank Napoleon for that. Uh, right at the beginning of the 19th century. Um, but yeah, you had Prussia, which is a German state. You had the Holy Roman Empire, which was a collection of German states. Uh, was Austria separate from the time? I believe Austria was. 18th century Austria. All right. 
like I said, I'm just using Wikipedia, so. Uh, okay, they're talking about Maria Teresa, which I did do an episode on Maria Teresa, so go back and check that one out. The Seven Years' War, or Bavarian Secession. Oh, I might have to do an episode on that. I think they were part of the Holy Roman Empire at the time. Um, pull up the Holy Roman Empire. 18th century Holy Roman Empire. I'll just go to their Wikipedia page just for quick information. But I do not believe it would be accurate to say that it's the German ambassador because there was no unified Germany. That just doesn't sound right to me. Um, High Middle Ages, come on, 18th century. Late Middle Ages. Renaissance, Baroque period. Modern period. Yeah, there's other kingdoms. Just pulling up a map off of Wikipedia. The, and it's titled The Empire on the Eve of the French Revolution, 1789. So just reading off the map, you have the Kingdom of Bohemia. You have uh, the Electorate of Saxony. Um, you have some duchies. Duchy of Württemberg. Württemberg. You have an electorate of Bavaria. So, I mean, yeah, Kingdom of Prussia. So if they say the German ambassador, what Germany are they referring to? That is a terrible way. It would be interesting if they said, oh, the ambassador from Prussia, because Prussians were German. You know, Frederick the Great... You know, him and, uh, yeah, he, he was German. The Prussians are Germans. So I find it interesting that they would say the German ambassador when there's no unified Germany, and that's going to come many, many years later. So that, that was just an interesting little tidbit. Uh, another thing, there's a scene at the end where Catherine is kind of, they're showing Catherine like she's kind of losing it. And I'm a little, I don't believe that actually happened. I'm going to check out my final years. Uh, yeah, okay, talking about her grandson Alexander for a second. Uh, she did want him to secede her and not her son. In the show, there is a scene where they have her where they have Catherine, she wants her son, her grandson Alexander to sign a document saying basically his father's incompetent and or is not fit to rule and that Alexander should take over. Then Paul comes in, rips it up the paper right after Catherine dies. But uh, 
I believe that never happened because she wanted her grandson Alexander to secede her, but uh, she never made that official change in her will. She died before she ever wrote it down. If she lived a little longer, who knows, she might have actually gone through with the change, but yeah. Yeah, she saw her son as emotionally unfit and might have compared him to her late husband, Peter III. And there's an interesting scene where she's uh, having some books burned, and I'm not sure if this actually happened, but I believe that they were all French books from the French Revolution, because this does talk about the French Revolution a little bit, which I find interesting. But, uh, you know, they mentioned Voltaire again, and I told you I would bring this up. And, and they say, she's talking with a friend of hers and saying, like, there's once a point where you would have read Voltaire, and she's like, that was when I was younger and, you know, more foolish. But they're throwing this, doing this as a throwaway because her and Voltaire wrote each other. They were friends. I mean... There's saying it as like a throwaway line like, oh, she read Voltaire, but even the show admits in the first episode she was writing Voltaire. So that was very awkward. Uh, just overall general portrayal of Catherine. Uh, Helen did okay. She, she did okay. I've I've seen worse portrayals of historical figures before. But, I mean, it wasn't necessarily terrible. I don't think it espoused uh, Catherine's intellect to the point of which it could have. They, they do show her making decisions, but I don't think they did it to the extent of which they should have done it in the show. Uh, from what I could tell, the costumes were somewhat period correct. Costuming is not my forte. But, yeah. Well, one other thing that just kind of makes me mad about these shows. I mean, I love when there's a new history show out because it's fun. And we're getting a resurgence in historical media right now. And I love it. And if you've been watching Netflix, they've been starting to put out more historical content, which I like, even though some of it's not historically accurate. But at the same time, it introduces more people to history, which is pretty cool. But one thing that does really bother me with a lot of these historical content is, um, why are the actors always British? Can we have actors, like, if you're doing a show about Russia, can we have Russian actors? Or let's say you did a show about Frederick the Great. They'd probably have a British actor portray Frederick, but could they actually have someone who is, like, German? Could we have a German actor portray Frederick then? I mean, seriously, just because you're making it for a, like, I, I don't know, a Western audience or an American or a UK or an English audience, let's say, can you at least have them do an accent? And Catherine was ethnically, well, she was from German, well, she was German, and uh, she did move to Russia, so she should have, you know, have somewhat of a German-Russian accent mix, maybe, portrayed in the show, which, yeah, given might be difficult, but 
at the same time, you're a high budget show. You should be able to hire a uh, like a vocal like a voice coach to work or an accent coach or I'm not exactly sure what they're called, but like someone to help her work on her accent. It's really annoying when they can't even do an accent. And just to bring up something that's completely off topic a bit. Uh, I'm not sure if any of you guys have watched the show The Walking Dead. I gave up, gave up on that show a while ago, but in the early seasons, it was pretty decent. Anyways, I believe half the cast was, like, British, or a lot of members of the cast were English or British. And if you hear them outside of the show, you can hear, you know, it's like, oh, they're not from the U.S. But they do a somewhat decent job of doing a southern accent. So what I'm wondering is, a show that has British actors, a TV show has British actors, and they can pull off an accent. Why can't you big-budget studios, they're bigger than AMC, for example, like HBO, why can't you bring in someone to teach your actors how to do an accent, at the very least? Have them go through a week or two of training, or have them at least attempt it. I mean, can we please put in the effort for it? I get certain shows and certain things, it's like, sure, fine, whatever, but when, you know, uh, like the show Rome, I'm fine with that, uh, Rome was just a fantastic series all around, but like 18th century portrayals and all of that, I mean, it gets a little sickening when he, you're just hearing British actors. Remember a few years ago when the movie uh, Les Mis came out, and that was just a big success, that musical, it, but there was like this one little French kid, and he sounded very british and i'm thinking why is a french kid sound so british the french and the british don't like each other they've never really liked each other so can we at least get like i don't know a french kid that spoke english to portray the kid i mean that did take place in the 18th well was it the 18th century was it the, no it was the 19th century i'm off uh because it was with one of the french rebellions uh during the 19th century but can we just get people from the region that they're portraying let's give some local actors a shot it's just a pet peeve of mine but i mean everyone did fine overall uh the series just on entertainment of value alone eh, is all right i'd probably rank the show like a three out of five and i think that's kind of the general consensus online from what i've been seeing so Oh boy, look at the time. I am 30 minutes and 37 seconds into this recording. This will make it the longest episode we have ever had on the 18th Century Podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys you know, li like this or want me to do more of this kind of stuff. Uh, I guess my views will show me if I should talk more off-scripted, but the uh, next episode of the 18th Century Podcast should be a scripted episode. But yeah, just overall closing thoughts on the show, Catherine the Greats, uh, the miniseries, yeah, three out of five. Not great, but not bad. Um, would I recommend watching it? Uh, I don't know if it's like a lazy, rainy day and there's nothing else on, maybe. But I don't think this show will be remembered in a year from now. I think most people forget that it existed, which is kind of sad to say. If you want to watch a good 18th century show, 
uh, watch Turn, Washington Spies, and I'll do something on that eventually because that is a great show. Just their acting and everything. It's not exactly historically accurate for a show, but I believe it is more historically authentic. So, yeah, this will bring us towards the end of this episode, and I will get into the outro. Well, gosh golly, I can uh, really ramble, can I, when I'm not scripted. Scripted episodes, uh, yeah, those are typically a lot shorter. So maybe I will do a couple off-scripted episodes once in a while, or maybe once a month. Like, every four episodes, I'll do, like, an unscripted. I'm not sure. If you, if you guys like it, I'll, I'll do that. If not, I'll ditch it and I'll just stay with script, scripted. And only do unscripted, like, very rarely if I think it's appropriate for the topic. But anyways, I think I will get a transcript done for this podcast episode at some point. Like I said, it'll probably be in the distant future and not the near future. So just a heads up for that. And, uh... Yeah, if you'd like to support the show, please leave a rating and review, and do not forget to share the show. You better share the show. It really does help out, and the more people we get, the more content I can produce. So yeah, please leave a rating, a review, share it you know, on your social media, tell people who you think would be interested. And uh, yeah, if you'd like to read other episodes, go to 18th Century dot home dot blog that's one eight th century dot home dot blog type the numbers don't spell them i have been your host cj and thank you for listening to this episode of the 18th century podcast